Hello, I'm Janet Davis and welcome to Food Plus Freedom Podcast. Today is January 26th, 2024, episode 16. Today is January's Q&A. Each month we do the podcast on the questions we are asked the most. If you have a homestead or food freedom question, email us at support at foodplusfreedom.com or go to our website, foodplusfreedom.com and fill out the contact page. We will answer you. And if your question is one of the top questions that's been asked, we'll also put it on the air. We'll use your name if you allow us to. And if not, that's cool too. Remember, Food Plus Freedom is a solution-based podcast and website for freedom-loving people just like you, where you get solutions about food, supplies, and finding freedom for your family without always being dependent on big government, big business, or big agriculture. Please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. We should be on all podcast platforms. If you can't find us, please email us and let us know. Please visit our website at foodplusfreedom.com for more podcasts, podcast show notes, articles. Soon we will be having some videos, plus our free newsletter that goes out every Tuesday to keep you in the loop. Social media, Twitter. Truth Social, Rumble, videos will be there, Podbean, foodplusfreedom.podbean.com, and Telegram, food underscore plus underscore freedom. Don't forget to stay until the end of the show for the quick tip of this episode. Now, on with the show. These are my top six questions for January 2024. This month, instead of giving straight answers, no, I'm not going to give you crooked answers. I'm going to give you some information and more questions for you to think about to make your own decision. Why? Because you need to take information and make your own decision. So question number one, meat chickens. And there will be tons and tons more information about chickens, meat chickens, layer chickens, etc. in February. But I'm already starting to get this very specific question about chickens because people are starting to order their baby chicks before places run out. The question is, why should or shouldn't I buy and raise Cornish crosses? If you're not familiar with this breed, they are a meat bird that grows from a chick to a full-grown bird in five to eight weeks. That's pretty fast. You can get an eight-pounder, 10-pounder. I think I've heard people keep them alive as long as 12 weeks, maybe 14. But after that, there are issues. I have asked different hatcheries if they are GMO, and I have been told no. But these chickens just don't make sense to me. They grow so fast, you have to make sure they are butchered before they are too big because they can die from their legs breaking and from heart attacks because they grow so fast. Yes, I've grown a few of these and I will never do it again. And yes, I've seen other people who grow them in large amounts. We only had a few. Two of them died 
one in the feeder while it was eating. It was just sitting there. And when we woke up in the morning, it was in the same place and it was dead. And one got ran over by some smaller chicks and couldn't get up and died while we were gone. We did have one that we butchered and they were disgusting to butcher. If you've ever butchered chickens, it's not the most pleasant thing in the world, but these were disgusting because they just sat in their poop. And if you think about this, they never reach full grown as in to be able to reproduce or even lay eggs. In fact, I've never heard of someone saying they butchered their chickens and there was eggs inside of the hen. Let me know if you've ever had this breed and you have seen eggs inside of the hen. Sometimes when we butcher our laying hens because they're getting older and it's time for them to go, they'll have tiny teeny eggs in there. And every once in a while we'll grab the wrong chicken and butcher it and there'll be a large egg. I know some people love the speed of raising and the meat. Here's my answer to the original question about raising these birds. In nature, everything is supposed to be born, grow to maturity, reproduce, and die. It is a life cycle. If these birds can't grow to maturity and reproduce before they die, what has been done to them to create them? And if they can't reproduce themselves, how do you get more chickens except by buying them from some place that crosses them, which makes it so you are less sustainable for your meat because you're dependent on somebody else and not dependent on your own chickens giving you more chicks. You decide. Chickens that grow really fast and plump and butcher and are in your freezer in eight weeks or chickens that you can get more chickens from for sustainability. You think about it and you decide. Question number two has to do with eating organic. On the website Food Plus Freedom, we have an article about seven benefits and seven myths of eating organic just for you to read. Question number two, why should I strive to eat food grown in an organic manner? Now, there's two different ways you can do this. You can either buy everything that is certified organic, USDA, or you can buy it from growers who grow in an organic manner. And of course, you can always grow it yourself. That means nothing's genetically modified, nothing is synthetically sprayed, and you can talk to the producer on how everything is made. So my question to you is, do you want to eat genetically engineered, synthetically, chemically treated food that was created in unnatural means? Do you want to eat food that has been altered so that it lasts longer on the shelf, but that doesn't mean that it tastes better and that doesn't mean that it's better for you? Would you rather eat food that you know where it's come from or food that just shows up and you have no idea? Many people say, oh, they just spray a little or they just do this a little. And my last question I have is, would you give a baby a bottle of Roundup or other pesticide to eat? Sounds kind of harsh. Then why would you eat it on your food? 
Should you strive to eat food that's grown in organic manner or just not worry about it? You decide. On our website, Food Plus Freedom, we have a new article this week, Seven Benefits and Seven Myths of Eating Organic. Go check it out. It might help you decide what you want to eat and how you want to eat it. Question number three. Can I save seeds from genetically modified food? My first response is why would you want to? You can save seeds from any produce you like. What you get in return may not be what you bargain for. In the case of saving seeds from GMO products, remember this. GMO seeds are not sterile. I know some people think they are, so if the seed grows, it should be fine. This is a myth. It was proven wrong during the Monsanto lawsuits years ago. If a seed comes from a produce that was genetically engineered, the seed is still genetically engineered. Do you want to eat food that has been altered by man at the cellular level? Either taking part of a gene away or introducing a foreign substance such as Roundup into it? Do you want to plant a genetically engineered seed into your soil, which now contaminates your soil for years to come? And this may sound silly, but even in the organic industry, if you accidentally plant the wrong kind of seeds, as in something that's GMO or treated, you cannot plant anything and call it organic in that area for three to five years, depending on your certification organization. So let me ask you, should you save seeds from genetically modified food? And if you do, what are the ramifications of doing so? Especially when there's so many seeds on the market or saved seeds from your friends that could do a lot more justice. You decide. Question number four has to do with raising rabbits. The question is, do I have to raise rabbits in cages? Well, that depends on your goals. We do not raise rabbits in cages. Most of the people we know do not raise rabbits in cages. But we do not have the control over breeding like you do when you have rabbits in cages. So if you think about it, do rabbits live in cages in the wild? No. Can you emulate the wild to have more of a natural means to raising rabbits? You can if you watch the wild. And if you are interested in raising rabbits not in cages, it's called raising them in colonies. Raising rabbits in colonies usually means you have one buck and two does, and they breed when they want to, and they don't breed when they don't want to. So that could be a downfall if you want to have meat rabbits constantly producing or fur rabbits constantly producing. Rabbits in colonies can have fights and you can have rabbits that get killed, but you can have that without the male. No, the male is not going to kill all of the babies. When they're used to being in a colony, they grow up in that colony environment. Yes, you can always have a bad egg, just like in any other kind of society. 
The key is having enough room for all the rabbits so they are not crowded, they have space, and they can burrow and act like rabbits. So my questions are, what do you want rabbits for? And how much control do you want over their breeding? And if you do need to take either the babies, the mom, or the dad out, do you have place to take them out too in case you need to? Do you have to raise rabbits in cages? Not necessarily. The question is, should you raise rabbits in cages? Will depend on your answers on your purpose for raising them and how much control you want over their breeding and their growing. You decide. Question number five. I get this one a lot. What is the best vegetables or fruit should I plant in my first garden? Or if it's not your first garden, you're starting to garden again. I would suggest the first thing you do is you sit down and you ask yourself a simple question. What vegetables that are annuals, meaning you have to plant year after year, are your favorite? And the second question is, what fruits or vegetables or herbs do I like that are perennials or biennials? Meaning if they're perennials, you don't have to replace them in for a year like blueberries. Or if they're biannuals, it means every other year they replant themselves. So the first year you might get the flower, the second year you get the seed. And a lot of herbs do that. So once you decide what your favorite two or three annuals are and your favorite two or three perennials are, plant them. And why perennials or biannuals or trees? Because you plant them one time and then you wait. You might not get fruit the first year, but you will get fruits or vegetables the second or third year and your work is done. Don't plant something you don't like to eat. The other thing I'll ask you is how long do you want to wait to gain something from your garden. If you want to gain something right away, what type of things do you like to eat that grow fast, like lettuce or spinach? If you don't mind waiting a little while, you could try zucchini, even though that's relatively fast too, or peas. And we're looking at 60 days or so. But if you really don't mind waiting, go for the sweet potatoes, because those could take 95 to 100 days. It also depends on your environment and your soil. So, what is the best vegetable you should plant in your garden? The vegetable that you want to eat and are willing to do a little work in order to get. You figure out which ones those are and just start planting. Question six. When is the best time to breed? You fill in the blank on what animal you're asking about. My answer is the same for all animals. What is the purpose of the animal? When do you want the animal to have its offsprings? 
How long does it take to grow out the animal for your purpose? When do you want to harvest the meat, sell the animal, milk, etc.? How long is gestation? These answers, plus the type of weather you have and where they will be delivering, will determine the ideal time to breed your animals. If your goal is to have 4-H animals, then the offspring need to be born at a certain time. For instance, in our area, for 4-H goats, they need to be born after December 1st for fair in July or August of the following year. You decide the purpose of the animal. Take into account time, as in gestation, raising the animal, and if there's a specific time of year, you need to have that animal ready to go. Then decide the best time you should breed your animal. You get to decide what's best for you and your animals. This is Janet Davis, and thank you for listening to the Food Plus Freedom podcast. Remember, homesteading is a peace of mind, not a piece of land, and anyone can do it. Now hang tight for the quick tip of this show. Do you use bar soap? Oh, say that one three times fast. What what do you do with all those little pieces left over from the soap bars? You know, the ones that are too small to really use, but too big to really throw away? Well, make a new bar or a round of soap, of course. They're very easy to make. As your bar soap gets small, start saving them in a container without a lid so they dry out. When you have a good handful or more, take all the pieces and place them into a washcloth or some type of material. Just lay the washcloth flat, take the pieces of soap and put them into the middle of it. Pull up the sides of the washcloth so that you're holding it. Twist it, put a rubber band around it, something so you're holding all the ends together. Submerge this into warm water for several minutes. Pull the cloth out of the water and manually start pressing or mushing the soap pieces together. You may have to dip it into the warm water several times, depending on how big the pieces are, how hard the soap is. But if you keep doing that, you'll create a new ball of soap. Once you're done, hang the washcloth up with the soap still in it until it dries, peel off the washcloth, and voila, you have a new ball of soap that would have gone down the drain or into a trash can. Now you know. Until Tuesday, grow food, eat local, gain freedom.